0: Mighty champions,
1: raise your voices to the anthem. Marching by a mighty army, is the name. Fearless in devotion, rising to promotion Cross on all to Fearless in devotion. Um, it's your favourite South Whalian, back after a lengthy hiatus. Um, and I think this week has been a lesson in not overreacting to an individual result. As disappointing as Tuesday nights may have been, a uh, very disappointing performance against Chesterfield and 2-0 loss. However, at the end of the week, with a more convincing victory under our belts, we are one point behind them uh, and a point behind Notts County. So all is not lost. Uh, is that a fair thing to say, Tim?
0: Definitely. I mean, the, the fallout from Chesterfield was angry, Not totally unexpected. I think it was the manner of defeat. It was pretty messy. Everything that we did wrong, we did perfectly right in the game against Maidstone. Five goals in front of the owners, full house, summer shining. It was a really good day and the Chesterfield game was was, um, forgotten about pretty quickly, to be honest. Andy?
2: No, I still remember Chesterfield. Um, I mean, I didn't go. I, I, I will give that disclaimer, but it's... It's one of those performances that you probably need at, at the early start of the season. If anything's going to give you the kick up the arse, it's going to be that. So let's get it out of the way. We're still, you know, we're not behind anyone really. We put, you know, we got a couple of, we got a couple of wins. I think that's a good one to really sort of reset us early, early doors. I mean, I don't know what you guys think, but I don't think we had the perfect preseason, and I wonder if we sort of paid a the price there at, at Chesterfield.
1: Yes, it was interesting to see Mark Crichton say that, wasn't it, on Twitter? You know, he he was saying if he'd had a pre-season like we did, uh,
3: he just wouldn't be ready for the for the season. Liam, did you see that? Yeah, I think there's some some truth in, in what he says. I think maybe there's lessons for the future there without being too harsh or panicking too much over one result. Maybe it's just a case of we don't need to go abroad, quite simply, um, every pre-season. And there's something to be said just for arranging... A decent set of games at home against a a few, you know, maybe League Two opposition, League One as well.
1: Yes, all is not lost and a convincing victory over Maidstone, which is a good reset before Woking and it's definitely good to get under our belts before the documentary comes out, um, which is what we'll come to next. The reviews are coming in thick and fast for Welcome to Wrexham out on Thursday, of course. Liam, you've been reading some of them. Uh, could you, could you uh, be our review collator, please, and tell us what you've
3: read? Well, I have been literally scouring the internet for the last... Five minutes to um, to come up with some of these. Um, the first one I've highlighted is the pop pickers in the NME, who I say Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney hit the back of the net. They've given it four stars and said it could have gone very badly, but the actor's rags to riches footy series avoids any own goals at kickoff.
0: Think
3: rags? A
2: wow! Still so yeah. yeah. wearing rags? We're kicked out. We're kicked out head to toe in macron That's not rags. <laughs>
3: well, I think they've—I think they've gone a bit OTT on the football puns as well. It sounds a bit Alan Partridge at uh, at times. Um, the Chicago Sun Times, that fine periodical, has got quite an odd scoring system. They've been welcome to rack some three point five stars out of four, um, and in something which I've noticed is a bit of a theme in these reviews. Um, they've highlighted sort of the contrast between screen time given to Rob and Ryan and the fact that there's actually quite a lot given to the fans as well. So they said where well, they could come across as a couple of Hollywood arseholes, as they put it. Reynolds and McCalny make it clear from the start, this isn't some con- condescending cynical whim, and they wisely seed great stretches of screen time to the players, the support staff, and the long-suffering Wrexham fans. Um, which which leads me to question: are we going to see? Cues of people outside the turf wanting a selfie with Wayne.
1: No. Well, yes, there was an incredible review of Wayne, wasn't there? Um, boyish charm, boyish good looks, what was it? He's got
3: to be happy with that, surely.
1: It was from an American reporter who said he was he looked boyish, and he just turned 40, so happy birthday, Wayne. And what a great birthday present that is. <laughs>
3: You've got to take that in, in international press, haven't you? I think some people's lives could be about to become very interesting. <laughs> um, and just one more to pick up on in the Guardian, who've given it the pick of the week. Um, they, they've helpfully pointed out that we've ceased to become a true underdog club uh, the moment Hollywood backers arrived and cameras started rolling. So thanks for that, Guardian. Very nice of you. But they say all the same, it's hard to be churlish about the involvement of Robin Ryan, and the affairs of this spirited tatty club.
0: I beg your <laughs> spirited tatty—that's going on a flag. Definitely.
3: <laughs> I'm starting to notice a bit of a theme in some of these. Um, and it says it's, it's most emotionally convincing when it jump cuts from Robin Ryan's luxury lives, apparently, to the reality of a working class British town. Hmm. Well, I think they i think they're trying to be. Um, quite praiseworthy
2: honestly candidly complimentary
1: well look is the good know? thing is it doesn't it doesn't sound it doesn't sound like a hatchet job and at least uh it's getting good reviews for that perspective i think is there an element here that people are going to as Wrexham fans not just people who are going to be actually be in the documentary um but as Wrexham fans, I think people will have to develop thick skins. Is that fair? Because there's going to be people that hate us. People hate us already because because of the takeover. Um, and I think once this comes out, it's going to be that times a hundred. Including the lots of people will love us, possibly from across the pond. Hello to anyone new listening because of that. Uh, but is is that fair?
3: There's going to be brick butts from. I think Tim mentioned it earlier on Twitter. We're going to get the Shrewsbury. And the Chester fans with a bit of bitterness, the likes of those teams. But I think we've just got to enjoy the ride, haven't we? I mean, I think this has got to be one of the most exciting weeks for me in the build-up to the documentary. So the last few days, I think it's really hit home just how huge it's going to be.
2: I'll be honest. I mean, when it comes to hating Wrexham fans, I don't think I could hate Liam anymore, really. <laughs> so it's pretty much, pretty much at my optimum there.
1: Yeah, Tim, what do you think? I think... People going to have to develop thick skins, aren't they? We're going to get a couple of pelters over this.
0: Yeah, we will. But, you know, whichever way you look at it, it's it's going to be expected. But it's it's just real people telling their stories for their love of their football club. And it's plain to see. And unless you've really got a blackened heart, you know, there's something wrong with you. People are always going to try and find fault with it, especially those from rival clubs. But, you know, when I watched... Um, suddenly until I die, I didn't go out my way to, to try and tweet the cab driver or you know, anybody like that. It's just because they they were telling their stories in a very heartfelt and genuine manner, and that's the same with Welcome to Rexham,
1: right? Now, some of us have had a sneak peek of the documentary. When I say sneak peek, they've watched it all.
2: Is that right, Tim and Andy? No, we watched the first two episodes. So, what you'll see on Thursday, we, we watched about an hour ago,
1: right thoughts
2: um it's a lot better than I thought it was going to be I mean going back to what a Wrexham fan obviously always thinks the worst but it's slick it's professional it's emotional it was I I actually felt drained by watching the, uh, the first hour of it and that's not because that's not I think it's more because I'm a Wrexham lad this is the community I grew up in these are the people I know every single person on screen I know you can see how much it means to them. You can see how much it means to me. I'm getting emotional talking about it now. I mean, I don't think we really realize how big this is for the town. Never mind the club. It's this is for the town. I mean, it just shows us it shows us in a really good light. And I think one thing I was really worried about when Rob and Ryan took over and they said they were going to do a documentary, I just thought, look, laugh at the Welshmen, laugh at the mm. the working class idiots. And it's not like that at all. Everything is so slickly done. It intersects so well with Rob and Ryan. They take the piss out of themselves. We don't take ourselves too seriously. It works. I, I, hats off to the documentary makers. Never mind three and a half out of four. I'm giving it the full four, Liam.
0: Yes, yeah, Chicago Sun.
3: Is, is that five <laughs> five thumbs up as Homer Simpson would give it? Exactly I'm going to
2: give it five Bersham slag heaps out of a possible five. <laughs> okay.
0: um, yeah, it's just... It's, out. it's really, really good. The um, same as Andy. I mean, when we started watching it, I thought I'm going to have to start, sort of slightly go away from my screen for five minutes and gather myself because I could feel the tears come in. Um, because of, of of how it's been presented to us, you've got the right balance between humor and the hurt that we suffer. Um, it's just really, really beautifully packaged very well put together. And even if I tried to take myself out of it for a second, I tried to imagine, right, what if I'm watching this as a fan of another team, a fan of anybody else? Uh, How would I I find it? And it's hard because you're trying to separate your emotions from it, but it's just really, really enjoyable. It's really enjoyable. They fit a lot in to these sub 30 minute episodes. They fit a whole lot in and it flies by. It really does fly by, it. but so far, so good. It's just amazing. Really, really good.
1: Well, that's good to hear because there, there was a there was an article published online today, wasn't there, a, a blog uh, of somewhere from a Newport County fan. Um, but it made some, do you not want to read have it? You, have you read it, Andy?
2: Yeah, I've read it. What do you think? Um, ah, maybe. It was a lot of words not really saying anything. Yeah, of course you're going to lose a bit of identity if you get taken over by hollywood owners who live the other side of the pond yeah that's gonna happen i mean i know that's gonna happen and i think liam made a really good point earlier on twitter where he said this is quite this is quite ironic because a newport fan who you know saw his side promoted when they had a euro millions winner on the board against us who were a fan's own club a couple of years ago i mean yeah. you know and at the time yeah what what do they really want then? What, are they going to demote themselves on purpose so they can get they can go up fans own? No, of course they not. And I think it's it's important to say as well, isn't it, that
1: it's not an either or situation. I think as all of us who will have been at some point, uh, you know, part owners of the club, of course, um, we all wanted it to succeed, uh, and the fact that it didn't wasn't uh, necessarily a criticism of fan ownership. It's just that it's just that it didn't work, and and we were sliding to terminal decline, essentially.
2: Reese, there would have been nothing purer than us going up under fan ownership. There would have been mm. nothing I would have enjoyed more. If we were up with the WST and we went up at Newport or the 98-point season, that would... That would please me much more than steamrolling in this league this season if we do manage to do that. Don't get me wrong on that. But once that didn't happen and you have one good season, one good bad season, one good season, one bad season, us not making it meant we had to take a a different track. And even Spencer knew that. And Spencer was the great advocate of fans owned and doing it ourselves. Yes. He sort of realized we needed a different way. The different way was Ryan Robb. The different way was bringing in some owners completely left field. And who's to say they're going to be any worse than a financial company like FSG at Liverpool who are being hammered for not spending the money or Abramovich, who who made his, or, or Saudi Arabia, or, or some <laughs> other sort of. B A Vlad, B A Vlad. You knew
0: Andy would be triggered by a Newport fan.
2: <laughs> in real I mean, no, it's it's just, it's on, an it's interesting point. Best, This is the best way it could have happened, isn't it? Can we not just can we not celebrate this for a little bit? It will go tits up. Of course, it will go tits up. Let's. It's <laughs> to celebrate it for a bit.
0: Can I can I mention my five? take away from from the first hour of viewing a Welcome to Rexham because in between welling up and laughing my head off I actually wrote five things down so you mentioned Spencer there Spencer is dressed like the most badass Bond villain you've ever seen I mean he he wears it and he wears it well.
2: when he was interviewed did you see he looked like he was in a Bond villains library
0: pretty much yeah
2: he was probably choking a cat
0: I thought a Pomeranian was going to land on his lap. You know, so it, just, it was just very, very mad. So Spencer dressed like a Bond Von villain. Trop, props to him. He gets a four out of four, according to the Chicago Sun. Um, Paul Rutherford's face, when Humphrey Carr states what he does for a living, is priceless. He just looks like, if it was a little thought bubble above his head, he would be going, what the actual fuck is this guy doing talking to us? So that was a cracker. Um, Again, on Rutherford, his pain in the dressing room, you'll see, is, is abundantly clear um, after the sending off at Dagenham. And my final two points Sean Harvey is partial to a grey decor at home. Very, very grey. Not sure what to make of that. And then the best bit, which I, I noticed early doors, when uh, Ryan is joining Rob on the Zoom call to discuss their pitch to. Support. I know what you're going to say here. I know. I know yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> they're pitched to supporters about the reasons for the takeover and why they want to take it over. You just assume that Ryan's going to have this lovely, super huge laptop to be sat in front of. No. He's got his mobile phone propped up to eye level using a cardboard box and a tea mug to prop his phone up, which I just think is
3: beautiful. Genius. That's a- That's a patented Randall technique for uh, doing video calls. So if Ryan wants to use that, he's going to have to speak to my
0: people. There you go. I'm not sure what branding of box. I initially thought it was Andrex, but it's an upturned cardboard box, uh, a mug balancing his phone at uh, eye height. Unbelievable. Can we just rewind to Spencer's um, Bond
3: villain outfit? I'm, I'm thinking like of the Alan Partridge description of a sort of a boiler suit with lemon piping. Is that what he's got on? Uh, no no, no. He, he's not a
0: henchman the roll <laughs> neck comes as standard that's like spencer was born with that roll neck and then there's just additional layers that said "Ooh, smooth operator but is it a little bit darth vader there's lots going on to contend with but i don't want this to turn into a fashion show um but yeah spencer Bond villain great stuff
1: okay uh we have got uh lots of plans uh, over the next couple of weeks for what we'll be releasing while the documentary is coming out Andy tell us what we can what the listener can expect
2: so we're gonna do it a little bit differently the documentary is going to be released in uh, America on Wednesdays and it's going to be released over here on Thursdays we're gonna to aim to come out Friday Friday latish what we've got coming up is we're going to review each episode um, we're going to t- Chew the fat over it. We're going to get some of the people in it to talk about it. We're also hoping to get a few, and I'm working on this, I've got a few left-field American reviewers. Now, these guys don't know anything about football, but they're going to watch the show for us and tell us what they think. So we're hoping to go out each Friday on that, late doors or whenever Reese can pull his bloody finger out. And um, we'll aim to give you what you need to know about this documentary over the coming weeks.
0: Why did you turn into Michael Caine then? Bloody, bloody, bloody (laughs) fingerette. Addy, Addy's on one tonight. This is a,
1: it's a joy to behold. Um, But don't forget that we have already uh, had people on the podcast weeks, months ago, talking about the documentary. And we're going to just going to recap quickly because it was a long time ago. Uh, One of the central characters, I think it's fair to say, of the first couple of episodes, um, a certain Mr. Paul Rutherford, who, um, Give us a fantastic, honest interview uh, after he'd left the club at the end of the uh, first season uh, that the of the old, the takeover. Let's have a, a, a listen to that now. A little recap.
4: it was it was weird to be honest. It's surreal because you're thinking like I'm I'm nobody. Like I'm just, just poor from from by man. Like the, like who wants to really watch me do anything? Like, and it's bizarre because you think at this level, like, like it's, it's mad. You don't understand like why why it's. it's it was just surreal. And then at first you you're a little bit hesitant. You're like, oh, how's this going to be portrayed? How am I going to come across here? Like, you know, are these going to hang me out to dry? Is it going to come across terrible? am uh, you know, are these testing me? Is it a quiz? But then, you know, John the producer was was brilliant. You know, he he'd settle, yeah. You know, I'm still in touch with John now. You know, he he wants to, uh, you know, continue, you know, the next part of my journey, you know, he wants to see how the transition out to football and stuff and you know, he's someone uh whose advice, you know, I listen to. He's, you know, he's a good man. He, he really integrated himself within the group. You know, he he became a member of the squad, to be honest, a member of the staff. You know, and after, a, you know, maybe a week or so, it's just second nature. You forget the cameras are there. And, you know, it's just back to business. It's, you know, very little of it is face-to-face interviews, I think. I think maybe in the eight months. So, yeah, so maybe in the 10 months that it's been, I've had two interviews. One was maybe six weeks into the process, and then the other one was probably two weeks after after the last game of the season where he was just, you know, obviously, you know, touching base to see what I was going to do next, seeing what, what had happened, you know, since the last game and so on, how my spirits were. Um, and, you know, it's something that he wants to continue throughout the season. So, it's it, you know, it's it, it, you just forget that they're there. You forget that they're there in the end. And it's, you know, they're, they're very good at their job, so they integrate with into the environment. And, you know, it's something that I started to see as a big positive. You know, even if I get two minutes, five minutes of screen time on that, that's something, you know, probably probably not after the last game, you know, because I was a little bit emotional after the last game and stuff. But, you know, the rest of that, that's legacy for, for my kids to have a look at to see, you know, what the dad was about, to see, you know, the values that I held and how I went about my business and stuff.
1: Well, there we go, Andy. I think he gets more than two to five minutes, does he?
4: You
2: know, probably in the grand scheme of things, he probably doesn't get any more than five minutes but because the the documentary zips around so much the five minutes he does get to quality so you get to speak to him firsthand. just he just says mm-hmm. look you know I'm, I'm a journeyman player I'm I'm 33 you get that sort of you get that sort of just base of who he is then you go meet his family you see his kids you see him interact with his kids just in the park and then once you've got that base of who he is, and he's probably the first player who really jumps out at you from the from the, from the the uh, team, you then go to Daggers. Now, Daggers is the first bit of match footage we get, and it works really well because, obviously, we need to win. Rob's watching at home. We can't get the win. We go behind, and then Paul Rutherford gets sent off. And now that's not just it. It shows the tackle, but it shows Paul's... Paul's reaction in the dressing room and I know he says he gets a bit emotional about it and he does it's not too intrusive it's not a close-up on him really losing it or anything you can just see a man who's really annoyed with himself and he's annoyed that he hasn't been able to 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 do it for for the club and what he knows is his last appearance. And that comes across and you feel sorry for him. And at the end, when it pops up, Paul Rutherford was released the next day. It really, really hits you.
1: I, I'm glad that that emotion is in there because, as you say, Paul Rutherford's a player who got a lot of pelters over his time at Rexham. I think it's fair to say came in for his fair share of criticism, but I don't think anyone can listen to the the interview that we did with him in full. Which is still there, obviously, if you want to listen to it. And think anything other than he was a bloke who gave hundred percent. And and he did turn up uh time after time for Exham. Tim, what were your um overriding um thoughts on
0: the the Rutherford
1: stuff in the documentary?
0: You know, when it happens in real time and we're all pulling our hair out thinking, Oh man, you've you've really not helped the team there. You know, you really really put the the lads' backs up against the wall and it's easy, you know, when a player goes down the tunnel. You're thinking, oh, they're probably pissed off, and that's it. They'll get on the bus. They won't think nothing of it. But because of, because of what was riding on it, and because of of that being his last game, you can feel like You can feel the raw emotion when you see what he's going through. He's really going for the ring. I think it's Tyler the French that's comforting for ages. Uh, just sticking their arm around him. Even Keats is trying to comfort him. He's crying his eyes out because. He knows He knows that if he stays on the pitch, maybe would he have, would have got a winner, maybe would have sort of extended the season. He knows it was a bad tackle. Um, and he's not that kind of player. He just, he just had a moment of red mist at the wrong time, you know, with, the, with so much riding on it. But he comes out of it well because we don't see enough of, of players showing their their emotions. We see it on the pitch often. We don't see the aftermath of it, so to to see what happened for him in that dressing room, even when we got a goal back, he was like, "Come on, lads! Come on, lads! Please get one back," because there's probably a little sense of guilt there as well. Um, But yeah, really, really genuine guy, and uh, you know, as we just heard, he's. I think he 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 still got a great affinity for the club.
1: Great to hear. Now onwards now, some of you may be wondering where our Dean Keats interview that many of you will be looking forward to listening has gone. Uh, it was been decided, as mentioned, to push that back a couple of weeks, the full interview anyway, but we are going to give you a sneak peek now, and it's because it's relevant to the documentary. So
5: let's listen now to what Dean Keats's thoughts were on the documentary. For me, it was all strange. It's all very strange. And it, again, it was somebody, something I knew about it coming up. So I source advice of other managers, people who've done little bits like that, and just to try and get help myself and what I'm going into and what's expected of me. Um, again, I was on trial just like the players Players are to any manager that comes in. Like, when I took that time of talking about when I go into when in at Walsall, and everybody's like, What's he gonna do? Everybody like, he's gonna is he gonna cut it up, get rid of us all, etc. I'm on trial, I was on trial too, so I couldn't turn around and say, I don't want the cameras. It'd have been my preference not to have the cameras, but I had to, this was what the club was going to be about going forward, and it's it's a massive um, financial thing for the football club, and I know that. So I had to give by it because if I'd have turned and said no, I'd have been putting a tightening the noose around my neck there and then. So I had no choice, basically. So, um, yeah, look, um, it was okay. It was okay. Uh, the people had done it, they all seemed was all decent people that I dealt with on a day to day from the um, that side got really well from things got a little bit towards the end. Um thingy I thought formed friendships kind of fallen away a little bit, um, but that's part and parcel of it. Um, I would never would I have classed them as friends possibility, but he's kind of dwindled out now. So yeah. it was all a bit strange, it was all a bit strange. I mean, I struggled with it, I'm not gonna lie, because there's intimate moments that shouldn't be put out there uh, that you need to have with players and they're like, Oh, can't get a mic on you, can't do this, can't do that, can do this. Can we do and pff, I don't like that kind of stuff. And the worst part for me was like <clears throat> team meetings, um, be discussing stuff, reflecting on the weekend or going into what's coming up, the game, the next game, doing like obviously the analysis and the opposition. And then you sit there talking to the players and then somebody moves with a camera and then you're like, to draw your attention, then you look over there and straight away, you like, you got that voice in your head fucking going to your fucking cameras moving again. <laughs> fucking stand still like, and then, then straight away, I'm forgetting what I was talking about and I'm having to look <laughs> on, um, on the board again to see what was going through the points I'm relaying back to the players. So, that bit, I struggled with, I did struggle with, but it, it is hard. I mean, look, I'd imagine there no, there's different things in place. I mean, there's points that there spoke about not having a cameraman in there, just a little tiny camera. Um, Etc. Which would have made life easier, a lot easier, because then there's not an extra body in the room with walking around the camera to get some easy act another player's facial expression or something like that. So bits like that was odd. I refused to have a camera in there 24 seven to say. Um, they wanted a camera up on the in top corner. So if the camera wasn't in there, I was like, no, not at all. I said it's my players' changing room. That's their sanctuary. What goes on in there, the they operate within themselves. They're a bit banned to what they're doing, et cetera. That's left to them. You're not having a camera in there all the time. No chance at all. I refuse that. That's one thing that I, I said to the Brooklyn team. Not happening. And also in my room, I said, okay. the one thing that I will ask is, <clears throat> I understand that I have to be open to it. Um, so I want you to respect my player's decision. I'll say to the player, I'll pull the player in first you will wait outside, I'll have a conversation with the player and say, look, we're going to have a conversation, you're obviously not, you've knocked on my door, I couldn't understand why I've left you out, you're going to say, blah, 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 you want to have a conversation about that, do you want the camera in there? Because my, what I say is not going to, cha- what I reply to your questions or what I say to you is not going to change because the camera's in there. I said, so what, you, I'll let the player leave that, so if the player wanted the camera, the camera stayed, the player didn't want the camera in there, the camera didn't enter my office when I come one-on-ones. Yeah
1: that was interesting, wasn't it, Leah? What, what did you make of that?
5: Um, I honestly don't envy
3: um, Dean Keats in terms of the, the pressure that must have put upon him having the cameras in the room. We all know this documentary is an absolutely huge opportunity for the club. And Keats himself said that that's essentially why he agreed to it in the end. But I think it's a job which for the fifth tier of football already has quite a lot of scrutiny attached to it. You know, you go on Red Passion and there's, dozens of pages about you already. And on top of that, you're now going to have TV cameras as well. So I'd imagine that Keats would have been in the pressure. But the other thing that struck me as well is Keats comes across as quite an intelligent bloke. So he went and sounded out other people who'd been involved in documentaries. He set very clear boundaries in terms of where the cameras could go. Um, I don't blame him for not letting one in the change rooms or in his office because you know, you might accidentally click on a link on the internet and who wants that to be in the documentary? Um, no, but anyway, I, I thought I, it sounded to me as if he dealt with it in quite, um, you know, in a, a mature way.
0: You, you, could, you could almost sense he was desperate to get off his chest in a weird way because at the time, I imagine it's a bit like being a bit of a caged animal. This suddenly, the sanctity of the dressing room is suddenly, you know, infringed by... Bunch of outsiders um, doing it for TV. It's all, I mean, you know, no managers really ever gone, Well, Phil Parkinson has done it previously, but it's just a, an unusual and natural environment for him to be part of. I guess, um, you know, he's 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 been around the block long enough to to figure out how to deal with it. But I thought it was quite interesting that he said that one minute he's developing friendships with a lot of these these sort of, you know, third-party members, if you like, and all of a sudden that suddenly deteriorates over the course of not a very long time, to be honest. Um, So that must have been difficult, trying to get that balance right between keeping the players happy, his staff happy, the fans happy, and the camera crew is, it's a massive amount, a massive amount of pressure. Um, And he knew he was going, uh, you know, at that point, as soon as they didn't get across the line, the Dagenham. He probably knew he was going before then, but you'd have to listen to, to the full pod soon enough to for all that to be revealed. Indeed, you will. I think that's a good place
1: to to tie this podcast up. Um, Andy, should we, we move on to predictions?
2: All right, after a first couple of weeks where we've ballsed up to predictions, we're going to start afresh now. Now, Reese is back in the fold. Welcome back, Reese. Everyone has missed him. Thank you so much. Uh, we still need him. to The next fanzine in a Chester shirt.
1: No, Liam's done that. Just let him sell it in a nappy. In fact, all he he didn't actually. I believe that Liam just changed his social media photo to a Chester, him in a Chester shirt. I think in the flesh would be would be a, a worse forfeit. But it's what I'm willing to do because I'm hard. okay.
2: Liam, what I want you to do is bring your Chester shirt to a game. I know you still have it. I know you have it framed uh, in the in the toilet um and i want you to bring it to a game and when reese actually sells a fanzine which is very few and far between i will be honest he can wear a (laughs) chest of shirt and you can give him one free punch when you buy a fanzine
1: i I still wear his pajamas
2: occasionally right okay let's just just do this (laughs) right woking reese what do you think
1: um, I'm going, and we're on telly, so everything screams one-nil defeat. I was there last year when we were absolutely dreadful and lost two-one, and basically ended our title run. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say we're going to keep our momentum going, and we're going to win three-one.
2: Wow, Gateshead one-all. Okay, I'll go next. I think we're going to draw at Woking. It's going to be one each, but I think we're going to beat Gateshead two-nil. Liam.
3: I'm also going to go one each for the Woking game. Um, I think they're slight dark horses, but I fancy us to a Stenica point. And Gateshead, we're going to win three-one because we're at home and we're ace.
2: Yes, we are ace, aren't we, Tim? Are we ace? We're ace
0: against teams that are definitely going to finish bottom of the league. So we'll see how that pans out. But I think I'm going to I'm going to go with a two-one win at Woking. Later on, we'll sneak it. Okay. Like Gates said um, Dan Jarvis, if he plays, is bound to score. So we'll go with, I'm going to go 4-1. We're going to keep knocking out the park
2: at home. Okay. So even though he's going to score, he is going to be playing in midfield and we're going to win 4-1. Yes. Okay.
1: Great to know. Um, thank you once again, everyone, for listening. If you can contact us on Twitter, at fearlessidesign. Or you, design Design is back
2: again. I'll just go with it. Don't—it's too much editing. It's called design now.
0: Subscribe to our stuff. Tell people about us. Thank you very much.
2: Yeah, yeah. Leave a review. Say we're eight. Even live. Bye. Bye.
0: Bye. Bye.